Hello and welcome back to the On Mission podcast. I am joined by always by my pastor, my friend and co-host, Rick Nicely. Rick, how are you doing tonight? Good brother, how are you, man? Beautiful evening. It is, you're out there on, looks like the side porch, is that right? I, I am, man, I love my screened in porch. Yeah. And, and apparently joining us from Hawaii are Maverick and Rufy. <laughs> Absolutely. Are you, <laughs> are you gonna wear those sunglasses the entire time? Not the entire time, no. Probably definitely because of the sunglasses. A lot of you are probably asking right now, why did we save Jono till the last? Is it because he's the junior elder? Is he the least favorite elder? There's all those questions, and none of those are true. I think a lot of people do know that Matt Johnson is my favorite elder. I've made that publicly known uh, from the pulpit during church, and now, and now we're taking the glasses off, and things are getting oh, yeah. real. <laughs> it's cool, man. It's like... You know, parents shouldn't tell their favorites, you know, who right. their favorite is, but right. you're just, you, you lay it right out there, Kenny. Oh, I play favorites. I totally play favorites. <laughs> so we are going to start with our question of the day. You two yeah. just celebrated what year anniversary? 13th. <laughs> Thir 13th anniversary. All right. So in honor of uh, Jono and Ruthie celebrating their 13th anniversary, our question of the day is going to be, what is the best gift your spouse has ever given you. So we will start with our guest, Jono, since he's mad at me, I'll, uh, maybe we'll soften him up here by having him talk about his lovely bride. What is the best gift that Ruthie's ever given you? Wow, so she's given me a lot of really good gifts, but I would say that it, it will go back to the first or second Valentine's Day. Uh, we, you know, double income, no kids, kind of living the life. Um, I, I get home and, and she has something wrapped up and anyways, ends up being that she, uh, she got me tickets, uh, to go see Arsenal play, nice. uh, in England. So we, um, like I said, completely sporadic. We flew over on a, uh, we flew to England to watch them play, yeah. spent a, spent a night and a half and flew back something that's totally, uh, not normal. And I, I acknowledge that I'm not saying that's our normal life, but it was absolutely once in a lifetime opportunity to see my favorite uh, football team play. If we were bros, we would have worn our Arsenal jerseys for this interview, but we didn't, we didn't do that. So Matt and, I, Matt and I wore matching shirts last week when we did this. It doesn't surprise me. <laughs> All right, Ruthie, how about you? John <laughs> um, has given me lots of good gifts. Um, I really, he gave me a really nice camera one year that I still use a lot. Um, he's given me some sweet jewelry that represents our family. Um, and I would be, I think my friends would be disappointed in me if I didn't mention the, um, my least favorite present he's ever given me, which was the hoodie, hoodie pajamas, which he still, he still to this day thinks was a good gift, mm. but basically there, it's like what you think it's this footy pajamas. They're what material were they? Were they like some kind like, of, um, like fleece. Oh, wow. Mm. And it had a hood. I, it looks mm. like a, you look like a big, like chubby pink rabbit <laughs> wearing it. It's. <sighs> Picture the Christmas story when it comes down the stairs. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. But you have to realize Sean Hannity was advertising it. So I thought it was going to be a win on the radio. Oh, mm. 
Rush. This is, what, this is, oh, it was Rush. Sorry, mm -hmm. Rush and Sean. Yeah. Did it, did it. Yeah. He thought it would be comfortable. But anyways. It's embarrassing. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, I almost feel like we should end the podcast there and just, <laughs> know, just go right? get to the next one. But we'll stick with it for a while and see what happens. Uh, Rick, how about you? Well, you know, the great thing about that, if we need an Easter bunny outfit, I know who to call now. So <laughs> we're good to go. That's right. I'll loan it, so. I'll loan it to you, Rick. You can wear That's it on great. Sunday. That's great. That's mm great. -hmm. I will not wear it, but I will let someone else wear it. <laughs> uh, the best gift. Wow. My wife's given me a ton of great gifts. I think every gun she's ever given me, I've loved. So I can't go wrong with that. There was a couple special ones in there. You know, it's funny. But probably our, our greatest like date night was just one night. We were on a date night and she just said to me, where do you want to go eat? And I was like, I don't know. She goes, why don't we go to five guys? And I'm like, five guys. That's awesome. And then she said, let's go to, and it was some like mission impossible movie. So it was just like the total guy. I had my girlfriend there with me, my bride. Right. And so it was great. It was a, a great night. So times there there is some there's something about the one of the first gifts right so this this will um it's always going to be special to me and every time i get asked this question this is always the one that i come up with it was our first christmas and my wife knew that i was a as many people know i'm a, a huge sports fan love baseball love our dallas cowboys rick uh, and, and so my wife wanted to get me something in, in that uh with that in mind and she ordered a baseball bat that had my name inscribed on it from the louisville slugger factory and that was mm. pr probably one of the first gifts I ever opened from her. And it's still today my favorite. It's down in the man cave, hanging with some, uh, some, some other things that are special to me, but easily my favorite gift of all time. So that'll be, that'll be my answer. Rick, I'm going to pass it off to you to kick off the podcast tonight. Absolutely, man. Hey, Jono, I know uh, you work at and as a family-owned business, M&M Auto, and I understand that's considered an essential uh, business right now. And so in lots of ways, uh, you've probably been going to work, going to the office, uh, like a lot of us haven't uh, been doing. Uh, but with that, I know you also happen to be the president of M&M Auto as well. Uh, tell me a little bit maybe how life has changed and life hasn't changed for you guys. Sure. Uh, from the professional standpoint is what we're looking at here, like from M&M? Uh, yeah, I would, I'd say both M&M and then if you want to follow up with family, that'd be great. Sure, absolutely. So. It definitely is a, um, it's a different world we're living in right now. I think it's, uh, as you drive around, I mean, if you get out of your car and you drive, you'll see that the streets are bare. I was mm. leaving the Stafford facility and I could have turned left or right on US Route 1 and driven the wrong direction on Friday wow. without hitting anybody. Um, I think it, you know, for us, it's, it's a unique ability to be able to go to work when so many people can't. Mm. But we are providing, um, the service to some people that are in need of fixing their cars and keeping the cars running. Uh, you know, at, at work, we've got a number of people who are uncertain about tomorrow, not in the sense that necessarily health wise, but when you've got such a high number of unemployment um, and in a very blue collar industry, it's the fear is there. So you're dealing with people who are looking uh, for hope. You're dealing with people who are looking for the, um, the safety and security and comfort to know like, are we going to be okay? Mm. So I think it opens up the conversations to have real deep conversations with people about, you know, you know, 
why we've had the privilege to, as of this point, not, not have to let anybody go. I mean, we really, we love our employees. It's, it's an extension of our family. And so I could say at work, it's because we've had the ability to be there every day. We've had the ability to keep the doors open. Uh, it's been an opportunity to show the love of Christ in a different way. And, um, but it also is, um, it's, it's a sense of security for a lot of people to just know we're here and, and know we're doing that. But uh, I'd also like to ask Ruthie. I mean, Ruthie is also an essential employee with what she does, and she's got a different feel on it maybe coming from the medical side. I mean, yeah, I'm still working in my, at a family practice, um, seeing patients just like normal. Um, the big thing that's changed with me is, you know, the kids are home, you know, no more preschool, no more alone time, no more Jack's. I mean, I'm teaching Jack third grade now. I, um, that last week I got a refresher on the solar system. So I feel really well versed in that now. So I'm getting, I'm getting to redo third grade while I teach that's my awesome. child third grade. Yeah. So, I mean, so that, that's been a big change, just having to transition to like teaching, teaching him and like figuring out how to manage time with teaching him and then the other kid is kind of kind of in the way making yeah. noise all the time wanting me to spend time with him is you know so it's been like parenting is when you say other kid do you mean Jono or you're talking about somebody else <laughs> yeah <laughs> the four-year-old you know he wants my attention but I have to teach the third grader so that's been hard to like parent them like well you know um you know, and then, I mean, I am seeing sick people at work. So, you know, just trying to keep us all healthy, really. Um, the other thing that's changed, I mean, my husband decided to grow a mustache. So that's happened. Hey. So, I mean, we really need this quarantine and I need, you know. Mm. Time out. If, I, I just want to let you guys know, Magnum PI is a phenomenal show. And the original, the original Magnum PI. Yeah. Yeah. And so I am just, there's so many things inside of me right now that are being able to become fruitful and multiply. And uh, I love, I'm I love. I'm glad he's getting this out of him. <laughs> I love he it. We're going to go ahead. a lifetime opportunity to grow his quarantine stash. So we're going to save Jono from himself and move on to the next question. <laughs> Jono, as we said, not, not because of, of any kind of, uh, of reason, but he's the last elder we're talking to. Uh, the only other elder from the originals we didn't talk about, uh, or we didn't talk with here, Vic Carpenter, who's now planted uh, a church at Spotswood West. So you started out with, uh, as we've talked through Jeff, Matt, and Jono, talk about Jono. What was it about Jono, Rick, that, that you, the qualities you saw in him as a shepherd and as a leader and uh, as, a, as a follower of Christ that, that uh, led you to ask him to, to join you down at Spotswood Ladysmith? Yeah. So I've known Jono kind of, indirectly for a while um, so I came as a high school pastor and Nathaniel his middle brother uh, was in high school I think he was in his last year or maybe his latter part of his junior year to go into senior year he's a big soccer player so I would go to his games got to see his parents and, and knew about uh, Jono through the Stone brothers and, and I, I met Aaron and Jesse years before I came to Spotswood so there was some indirect there and then when he graduated, uh, he also helped out with Grace a couple years. Didn't you help out, I think, uh, I maybe with us uh, there? So I got to see him kind of serve students there. Um, 
And then when he came back, he started mentoring his youngest brother in a group of guys in high school. And I knew he did that kind of throughout their last couple of years of high school and really invested in them. So I saw him there and then got to know him more. And when Aaron came uh, to Spotswood uh, and, and the Stone Boys kind of moved back to the area, got more indirect con contact with them. And then also, uh, I was sharing last week, him and, him and Matt uh, really invested some middle school boys for several years and got to see them serve there um, and get to hear their heart, especially that one weekend uh, that we were away and got to hear their desire to what it would look like to plant a church and really knew that they wanted to do it in a very biblical way. Uh, I heard their heart about the plurality of elders, which we feel like is the most biblical model um, as leading a church. And so those were all the things that I began to saw, really invested in people. And one of the things I appreciate about Jono and then learned to appreciate about Ruthie later is they just shoot straight. And I really appreciate that. You don't have to ever really wonder where they're at with things. And uh, because for me, I'm kind of the same way. If I ever kind of feel like our relationship, um, not theirs, but any kind of relationship I have, if I feel like there's something in between me and, and that person, I kind of always go to him and say, hey, is there something up? And he, he's always great about that. I know I can call Ruthie on the phone really anytime about anything and say, hey, can you give me just a no-nonsense response to this? And she does. Uh, so I think the fact that I saw them uh, serving together, I saw that uh, as a couple, they love Jesus. Um, they're trying to model that to their kids and their family. I know his business, he's uh, leads with the high, highest of integrity and just that servant mindset of wanting, wanting the best in the next generation. I think all those kind of things combination wise really uh, drew me to them. And Johnna, you lived in Fredericksburg for a long time, maybe perhaps uh, your entire life and went to Spotswood for a long time. So this was a big deal for you to go down to Ladysmith. So, I mean, correct me on the dates. How long have you been in Fredericksburg, Spotswood? And then how, what was the conversation like when Rick asked you and you and Ruth sat down and said, do we want to go down to Ladysmith? Well, so to answer your first question, if you know where Carl's is, behind Carl's is actually the original Mary Washington Hospital. And that's where I was born. So I have definitely been in the Fredericksburg region, excluding uh, college and then a little bit of a time in Northern Virginia um, my entire life. Spotswood, um, I want to say, you know, I started to become, I was, I was, I started to be taken to Spotswood around 86, 1986. And um, that was home. I mean, so I'm definitely, I guess you can stay in a way like a homebody. I didn't ever really move. I mean, well, I should say, the house that I'm living in now is actually the house that I grew up in, in high school and middle school. And the only move I remember is my parents bought the house next door, meaning we literally just moved through the grass. Um, so Spotswood's been my home. It was not only just my home, it was my like place where I had some of my closest friends. And we had, I know that one of the big core values at Ladysmith is community. And I can tell you that the reason that I made it through high school in the condition that I did um, was because of the people uh, I knew at Spotswood in my youth group and that I was surrounded with that kept us accountable and um, just really push each other to excel and to be godly. So saying all that, I, I, when, when Rick and the word came out about this church plant and this opportunity, uh, that this is something that we've, Spotswood main campus Lafayette felt like it was a vision. I was, my first thing was like, 
well, it's about time, right? We should be doing this. We should have always been doing this. And, um, and I thought this is something that's new. It was completely bad timing in my mind because I finally, uh, my roommate, one of my best friends had, had moved back to the area. He'd come on staff at Spotswood, Aaron, and, um, and then Jesse, uh, Stone, both the Stone boys who were alluded to earlier by Rick, uh, they were both back and we had a small group going that was killing it. And uh, I didn't really want to leave my, my, my bros, if, if it makes sense. And, um, but I knew it was what the church should be doing. I knew that we should not be looking to be, um, come and see me, but we need to go and tell. And we need to go where there's not. And so when that came about and, and I started hearing the vision of what we were attempting to do, it was, a, it was enticing because it felt so right. And then when I heard that Rick was uh, tasked and was called to be the, the pastor, I was like, they got a good guy. They got a guy that I could get behind and can lead. And so um, I'm not saying it was easy. I'm not saying that it was just, uh, I, think, I, I think Rick, if I'm right, we were probably the last people to say we're in. Yeah. On yeah. yeah. I'm on my porch. You guys showed up as a family <laughs> and I was out of my porch. They were like, everything okay? They're like, yeah, we're all in. I was like, awesome. <laughs> yes. So what was that for, like for you, Ruthie? I mean, these are always and then, family. And then Jack, and then Jack went straight up to my daughter's room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Ruthie, Ruthie, these are always family decisions for us. We always have conversations. So for you, maybe you talked about it on the way home from church, or maybe uh, Jono came home and said, Rick, talk to me today. So what's that conversation like for you and, and your thought process? Yeah, um, I was surprised because um, we, didn't, we didn't know the Nicelys that well. Like we knew them like socially and like that kind of thing, but like we never like had had dinner with them or anything like that. Like we didn't know them very, very well. So I was, I was surprised. I hadn't thought anything about leaving to go on the church plant until we were asked. And then when we were asked, it was like, like, you know, started praying about it and it just like slowly became more and more like heavy on our John and I's day-to-day conversation started to become more and more every day all the time about the church plant. Should we go? What are you praying? I'm praying, you know, that whole, what do you think? You know, the whole back and forth. Um, and it just, the Lord just made it obvious. And I came to the realization that this is what God wants us, me or our family to do. And, um, if I don't go, I will regret it so much because I knew I would be outside of God's will. So, um, I, I remember I kind of decided that I was all in, and then I think a week later, John, you kind of came to your own conclusion that you were all in too. I remember he came home from work and he was like, I want it. We're in or we're in. I'm with you. You know that we're on the same page. And then that's when John was like, let's drive to the Nicely's and tell him. And I'm like, no, no, that's weird. We're not no, doing that. It was awesome. he, I, I mean, obviously we went over and we're like, we'll do it. Yes. So awesome. the thing about being in God's will, which I think is, 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 and Ruthie hit the nail on the head when she, she said, uh, I asked her, I said, hey, you know, when we're going through this, she's like, if I don't do it, I, you know, I'll, I'll regret it. This will be something, this is something God has called us to do. You know, mm-hmm. and, and in those seasons, you don't know, it's not like it's a timeline, right? It's not like it's, 
I need you to do this for X. Now, sometimes it is, but for us, it's like, hey, this is where I need you to go until, right. until I call you. Right. And when the next call comes, it's, it's, you don't know, but you're here to serve and love and be a part of what we're, what we're doing. And, hey, how cool is it what God's doing, right? Amen. River Amen. Rock's pretty awesome. <laughs> Back over to you, Rick. Yeah, man. Hey, um, so I know, Jono, uh, we heard a little bit about the beginning of you guys jumping on board uh, with um, River Rock and, and heard a little bit about you guys and your family and, and, and how things have changed and not changed uh, within your work environments. And by, uh, by the way, Ruthie, we appreciate you and your service um, in, in the medical uh, arena and all that you're doing to try to help us safe. And this is a shout out to all our first responders and all those in the medical community that you guys are, are putting everything on your on the line. We really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah, I know um, we, have, we have a lot of people at our church who are EMS or working in the ERs, you know, that kind of thing. So we definitely need to keep praying for, you know, our friends. That are absolutely. In the thick of it. Absolutely. Uh, John, can you tell me a little bit or tell our, 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 our listening audience a little bit about uh, your journey as you begin to follow Jesus and that call kind of to follow Christ? Sure. Um, yeah, so what, what we've already kind of set the stage is, you know, Spotswood main campus on Lafayette is, was my <laughs> church home for, for years. And it was the home you always came back to when you went to, when I went to school. Um, but I, you know, in, in the, um, about 92, 93 uh, time period, God started really working on my heart in different ways. And we had those old school revivals. I mean, I don't know if any of you guys that are listening can, can remember those, but it was like, sometimes it was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Sunday night was the culmination. And, you know, people are, God's moving. And, and if God's not moving, the pastor's not going to be done preaching until it was. <laughs> but, uh, but we had a guy, a guy named Bailey Smith um, came in and he, I was sitting in the balcony and, uh, with my dad and family and he preached on the wheat and the tares and it was you know i know kenny we're kindred spirits and uh and so we it got done and it, you know if you know the sermon you know that there's no distinguishing between the two i almost got self-conscious when i shared my testimony in front of you at men of valor and i shared that story and you started laughing at me and i was like uh, did I use the wrong passage? Like, is this not, is this not, but now I know why you were laughing. Yep. That's awesome. So, so anyway, so in the end it was, you know, you can't distinguish between the wheat and the tear until you open it up and see what's actually inside. And, and I mean, if you wanted to stamp on like the public school kid who knew Jesus, it was, I could do that. But it was when you really started digging inside it, it wasn't right. It wasn't, I, I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't believe in Jesus Christ. And so I gave my life to Christ, uh, but in so many of our testimonies, um, I always feared that I didn't have this really cool testimony of God saved me from all this wicked stuff. And then, and it was something that was weird. I really had a hard time, like wanting to talk about my testimony. And, and, and but, but as I got more mature in my faith, God began to refine, um, refine me and say, you, you, you haven't even begun to understand how wicked you were and how bad you were and how by you coming to faith in me early, I was able to protect you from so many things that could have hurt you. Um, anyway, so in college, I had the privilege of continuing to be 
uh, refined and and understand what I truly was saved from and was supposed to live for. And so the beautiful thing about salvation is you're, you're saved at one point in time, but you're constantly being refined in your walk. And so mm-hmm. uh, under the the elders at Lady Smith River Rock and, and Rick now, I mean, it's even Sunday talking about Daniel from, from, from my TV, God is still just bringing things to life about how just enlightening me on, on what salvation looks like. And I'm constantly growing through that. So it's, it's more of the process, right, Rick? It, but it really was the moment in time, if I had to pinpoint, it was good old Bailey Smith, good old, good old fashioned revival. All right, Ruthie, how about you? Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, I grew up in a Christian home, but it's funny, John and I have a very funny commonality in our testimonies that I was also saved at a good old fashioned revival. They work. It must have. So I was in the fourth grade and I, I'm an army brat. My dad, we were stationed in this tiny little base called Fort Greeley, Alaska. Um, it, and, um, I think it was probably the only church in this little, like for probably like 50, 60 miles, um, maybe 300 miles. I'm not sure there were, we, it was literally the middle of nowhere, <laughs> but we lived. Um, so we, I was at church with my family. It was revival week. It was like a Monday or a Tuesday night. And I don't remember anything that the pastor preached on, but what I do remember is sitting in that pew and the Lord like calling for, for me, like that heavy, overwhelming sense of the Lord saying like, basically like, I want you, you know, like I, I died for you. You, you are mine. Just claim me. And I remember I must've been squirming or something, but my mom literally leaned over and said, do you want to go forward? And I said, yeah. And I, (laughs) the next thing I know, I'm like standing in front of the, whoever the man preaching that night was. And I just straight up confessed my sin, asked Jesus into my heart that I believe you died for me. Please forgive me, Lord, please save me. Like I literally at the front of the church just said all of that. And I distinctly remember like the Lord, like having that in that, that overwhelming comfort, knowing that I was his now. Um, I didn't really, I don't think I quite understood what it meant to live for the Lord until probably probably 10th, 11th grade, I really started to understand what it meant to have a quiet time and pray and um, try to do um, things out of my love for God and not necessarily trying to have this persona of just being a good little Christian girl because that's what I'm supposed to act like. Uh, And then really my freshman year in college, I think I definitely took, um, I really started to own my faith more because that's when I chose to go to church. I was doing everything on my own, not just because my parents were kind of, you know, taking me to church on, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, let's go to church camp, like all that stuff I did in high school because I enjoyed it. But it was really in college that I really took ownership of my own faith, despite whatever my parents were having me do, it was now mine. So, and, you know, like John has said, like we continue to grow in our faith. It's a process. I'm constantly learning things as well. And, um, and I, I'm, I want to keep learning things too. Like I'm excited to learn things about, you know, my savior. So that's it. 
The last thing we want to talk to you guys about is, is typically, usually the most colorful story. Uh, Ruthie, you and I are both Naval officers. You were in the Navy. I'm in the Marine Corps. So you spent some time. We, we actually, I think we, we, we uh, I was talking to Jono about some of the timeline. I think we were both at Quantico at the same time at Austria Candidate School. You were down at the clinic and I was over uh, uh, training candidates. And then we both spent some time in some of the same countries. But where, do, where does that fall into your story in terms of, of Jono? Did you, did you all start dating the before Navy? that? Yes. Well, the Navy, uh, but really, really, I want to get at when you and Jono met, when you guys started dating, and then, you know, did you have to go to the Navy? Like, did you have to get away from Jono, and that's why you joined the Navy? I want to know kind of like how that story develops. It's actually the opposite. Um, I <laughs> signed up to join the Navy like September of 2005, and we didn't start dating till about November, I would say. I mean, we hung out for friends for a couple months, but we weren't dating until about November of 05. So when we started dating, I already had committed to five-year active duty contract with the Navy. I had to finish college and then then I went active are you gonna, duty. Are you going to correct the story, Jono? I see you back there. This is accurate. I think, I think correcting my, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add some little things in there. You know, Ruthie and I lived across the street from each other unknowingly for about a year. Um, then I noticed her. Not that I didn't notice her before. Yeah, that's horrible it does sound that. bad, but it's not how it sounds. It was that I did, and I was like, whoa, she's really godly, but also very attractive. And, and uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways, we were talking, and, um, and I kind of was like, so, hey, you know, what's your plan? And she's like, I'm going to the Navy. I'm like, oh, okay. So, what's your plan? She's like, I don't know. I'll probably marry, like, an a Navy doc or an aviator. I'm like, how about a guy right in front of you? And she's like, yeah, I'm going to go in the Navy. I'm not really into dating anybody right now. And I was like, hmm, challenge accepted. Wow. So, <laughs> Does that sound accurate, Ruthie? Does this all work? Does this, is it right? I mean, I think he embellishes a little bit, but I did say those things. <laughs> well, then it's not embellishment. <laughs> it wasn't. I wasn't trying to say I'm disinterested in you. I just genuinely, genuinely didn't no, he was interested in me. I would have never said something like that if I would have known. I would oftentimes go around <laughs> campus just saying those things to <laughs> No, but but it was it was so it was interesting. So when I when I found out that she was serious and she was going to the Navy, I was like, oh, how do we get out of this? And and I was really honest, I was concerned because I'm like, uh, I think I love this girl and I think I want to marry her, but I'm now marrying the Navy and I'm the guy that doesn't seem normal. You know, that that's actually, that's actually a, a, the thing that women in the military struggle with John. it's, it's for women that are in the Marine Corps, the army, the Navy, it is intimidating for, uh, for some men. And, and obviously that was the case for you. Clearly you were very intimidated by Ruthie being in the military. So it was pretty hard for you. It was really hard. You know, she, uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> 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 That's it. You don't want to talk listen, anymore about it now that your your feelings are hurt. Listen, listen. I am extremely proud of what my wife did, accomplished, took care of. I mean, she uh, she was phenomenal what she did, and she took care of a lot of people who needed a lot of care. And um, she was recognized by um, the commandant, the joint chiefs of staff, for her for her uh, excellent abilities. 
but I will say that I definitely was at Fort Belvoir. When you walk around, we lived on post and people want to say, Hey, what's your social? And you go, well, actually it's a, I don't know. It's my wife's. <laughs> like, oh, you're the defendant. Mm. <laughs> but 13 years later, right? So 13 years, happily married. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yes. 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 <laughs> well, this is the last of our current elder interviews. We're going to start with our new elders later this week. We're going to talk to one of them and then the other next week. And, and then we'll move into uh, some topics that, uh, that right now Rick and I are kicking around. We'll, we'll put those out there. We'll, we'll ask our ideas for you for what you want us to talk about. And we'll bring back some of the elders uh, to discuss some of those topics. I do want to thank, as always, our producer, Pete, who is going to make this look uh, better. Everything we messed up, or obviously it's hit, not his fault that the, the windows moved around. That's our fault. But he's going to make it look good, and he's going to make it smooth and add, add all kinds of special effects. So as always, we thank Pete, and we hope you'll join us for our next On Mission podcast with one of our new elders. See you guys later. Y'all have a good night. See you guys. Love Jeez, you guys. Sir. Good night. Bye.